Welcome to episode 75 of the Hello Bass Bass Fishing Podcast. Today we got Elite Series, Bassmaster Pro, Austin Felix, the Sleepy Assassin. We talk active live target, Malax Fishing, Northern Swing, the Bassmaster Classic, and a whole bunch of other stuff. It's a great episode. Hope you enjoy it. This week, the Hello Bass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right, here we are, Wednesday night, Hella Bass Live again. Uh, excited. We got the 4th of July weekend coming up, uh, and we got uh, the sleepy assassin, Austin Felix, joining us. How's it going, Austin? It's good. A little wore out from fishing today, but happy to hear talk to you. Yeah, cool. Uh, so if you guys are in chat, I see there's a few people on. Uh, let us know how the sound and video is quick so we don't uh, have any issues, but I think it sounds pretty good. Uh, so Austin, last time I had you on was like exactly a year ago, like almost to the day, I think. Um, I just looked back and looked at that. And I've actually got it turned on public, so I expect people to actually show up this time, which which will be nice. <clears throat> that was probably only like one tournament in that last time. It was two. I think it was right after St. John's and Eufaula, uh last time. So, so kind of flipped, you know, same exactly one year or same date in the season, and we were Two, you were two elite tournaments in at that time last year. No, you only had two left. Mm-hmm. So everybody says it sounds good. Chad, Owen, Drew, what's up? Thanks, guys, for joining. Nice. Um, so today you were up at Mille Lacs uh, tuning your smallie skills and uh, checking out the active target. Uh, what, what did you learn today or what, what happened? Uh, I mean, I've been up there... I think this was my third day over the last week that I've been up there. I've just been running up there just trying to get ready for smallmouth fishing, get ready for northern fishing, both make sure all my tackle's ready. It kind of, you get out there, you realize when you forgot something or whatever, and then I'm rigged for everything. And then the new active target we've had all year, but with the way our our schedules lined up so far this year, we really haven't got to use it much. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of shallow water tournaments, a lot of cold water, a lot of dirty water. So it's been, it, it hasn't really been much use to me except for on Gunnersville. I did catch some fish on it on one of those eight inch Magnum spoons. Nice. A lot like smallmouth fishermen. I was fishing, I was literally chasing around like small schools of them, pitching that Magnum spoon out in front of me, and you'd watch them like, watch it fall through them and they chase it up and down until one would eat it but i hadn't got to do it with smallmouth so i wanted to make sure i could see them on the boulders see them on the bottom tuck tight make sure i had everything laid out and set up how i wanted it yeah and, and we'll go ahead oh no I, I was saying i think we're ready to go now nice yeah and i think i mean like seeing us uh, you know a two ounce spoon is a little easier on active target than making sure you can see your ned rig right so <laughs> yeah yeah now you can see everything with that just like the garment as well or better 
I mean, I can see a weightless four inch sink of 60 feet in front of me. You can see a tiny 16th ounce net 60, 70 feet in front of you without any issue, really. Nice. So, dangers in the house. Oh, boy. It's like your fraternal twin is, is hanging out in chat. Um, <clears throat> Darius is up in St. Clair. It's a good place to be. Yeah. Uh, Morgan caught a six pounder yesterday. Nice. Oh, looks like Landon maybe talked to you last night on the water. <clears throat> last night? Uh, maybe it was me. Maybe he thought maybe it was me uh, on Marion. you. I wasn't out yet last night. I was out yesterday morning. Okay. Cheers. Landon, if that was you on Lake Marion, uh, I did run into a little bit of a flipping school last night. So. <clears throat> cool. Uh, so before we get too far, I just want to thank Arsenal Fishing for supporting the channel, supporting the live stream. Couldn't do without them. Makes the quality of the show better. If you guys want to support them, you can use my code HELLABASS15. Get some good gear. Get some of those wacky pliers and some of the other tools. They got some good stuff. Um, so now that the business is out of the way, uh, what's up, Doug? So I guess, was there anything that surprised you? Yeah, there you go. So even Austin's got the Arsenal. So there you go. <laughs> it's legit. Um, so was there anything that now that you got to kind of like dig into your live target for small, is there anything that surprised you or sorry, active target? Um, like that was better than you thought it would be or target separation or fish size. Like is there anything that like st stood out to you after like kind of really trying it for three days? One thing just in general, what I really like about it is the ability to, I can basically crank up the sensitivity or the gain as high as I want. So I actually have it really high, almost blown out just because mm -hmm. I want everything. I don't really care about how good the definition or how good the rocks look. I just want the blobs to be as bright as possible. So you can sure. see it. And it, it so that's one of the best things I figured out about it. I, I can crank it up. I think I have it on like plus 12 right now. So uh, besides that, it's definitely, uh, I've got to play with the Garmin a bunch before this came out. So I've been able to compare it. It's definitely, it's got a little bit narrower cone. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a little bit harder to make sure you get your bait in the cone. But once you do, it's like, you're obviously more precise. Mm -hmm. and it's easier to see your bait because it is that precise. You can pick up a smaller bait. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really have any bad things to say about it at all. Uh, they're still working out a few little kinks. Like the, the one issue I do have it with it currently is where they stitch, because the transducer is actually three cones, Yep. where they stitch those cones together. You can get a little bit of distortion. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to move it around. To, uh, it's it's not anything that's going to affect your fishing. And I'm sure I know like the Garmin Live Scope when it first came out had the same issue, and it was able to be fixed just with like software updates. I'm sure yeah. they'll we'll do it with this too. But it's just early. But as far as fishability, you, you're not losing anything compared to going with the Garmin. Uh, the way I have it set up with that 12, I have just a 12 solely running on that. So you can see everything. It's freaking awesome. Nice. 
so yeah, they just you have to be a little more precise on your alignment on a long cast mm-hmm. because of the cone. But if you are on, then you know, right? Like yeah. you see a fish in your bait on a longer cast, the more likely that you're, you know, that your bait's close compared to that wider code. So, mm-hmm. and it was cool today. In the last couple of days, you bomb like I, I was throwing a 16th ounce Ned head out there, pretty much on just a little Ned. But you'd scope a fish 50, 60 feet out, and you bomb it out there, and you could actually like watch the fish catch the thing halfway from the bottom, and you watch them run up, and then it just takes off. But nice, it works good. I, I'll definitely never have a boat without one at this point. If you don't have one tournament fishing, you're getting left behind. Very nice, Darius. Glad it worked out for you. That's a that's a nice little savings on a zillion. <laughs> there you go. Um, cool. So, what are the what are the fish doing on Malax for the people that are like maybe heading up there over the fourth or in early July? Like, what kind of depth ranges or what are you looking for? Or... Uh, I was catching them in like eight to fifteen on the reef breaks and stuff like that. There's a a pretty solid mayfly hatch going out sure. there right now, like a pretty big one. So um, just throwing Ned rigs. If you get up shallower or wacky Senko, just slow stuff. Like You can actually catch some fish on top water right now, strangely enough. They're just probably because of the mayflies. If you go around throwing yeah. a small walking bait or a small popper, you can get, get some bites too, and a lot of fish show themselves that way, and you can – catch a bunch of them, but that's really all I've found is just a really slow grind. Is there much of a slime up there right now or on the no. rocks? That's good. It's Sometimes not- you go up there this time of year and there's like just certain places that are completely unfishable almost because of the slime seems like. Yeah. that I didn't spend a lot of time chucking and dragging at the same time though. I was trying to dial in that active target. So if I spent a lot of time just like, scanning with my trolling motor and all group, then we'd set up on them and like make individual casts and try to hit individual fish. <laughs> nice. Be safe while you're driving. <laughs> um, I don't, I mean like John Cox does. <laughs> there's still definitely people out there that uh i mean it really depends on the style of fisherman you are your angler right there are definitely people that i mean john cox is the one that jumps out to me right um i'm sure there's other guys well like i said already this is really with the exception of that one deal on gunnersville that i didn't figure out until day three of the tournament the live scope really hasn't affected any of my Knoxville a little bit, finding some deeper outcroppings that I was throwing a shaky head on, but like St. John's River didn't use it. Knoxville used it a little bit. Uh, or Pickwick, it wasn't really used by anybody. Uh, Lake Fork, some of the guys obviously were using it, but I sight fished the whole time. Um, right. Same with Sabine River, nobody really used it. it it's it's obviously there are times there are going to be a few tournaments on the schedule every year that you're going to get left in the dust without it. But there's also a good number of tournaments that it's, it's not going to make a difference. Really, It seems like the great lakes 
like if you get once you get off the spawn, the Great Lakes are like you show up without a live imaging and you're just you're fishing for a, maybe a check. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, all these fish have gotten so much smarter over the years and they're going to get used to this, too. And as soon as they do, it's going to be way more difficult. Maybe you're going to have to turn it off or make sure your sonar doesn't ping on them out in front of you or whatever. But it's just like six, eight years ago, you could drive on top of a boulder and drop down onto it. Now you get a, your boat over the top of these fish. And like I really hardly even fish for the fish underneath my boat anymore. Like if they make it to my boat, I'm just bailing on them and searching for ones out in front of me that don't know I'm there yet. And it's just, the fish are going to keep getting smarter as everybody gets this technology. It's not going to yeah. be, you have to do something different. We'll see. What are your thoughts on like, like when you get in like a real weedy, lake like Tonka, do you think it plays much or not? Uh, I, I haven't seen it, but. I'm sure there's instances, right? You could probably catch them out on the like some clean rocks here and there, but oh yeah, you can catch largemouth like off the weed lines, and I'm sure you can see fish like off the edges of the coontail if they're like away from it. But it gets, right. I found that it's really tough to see any fish actually in the grass. Mm -hmm. It blows out pretty quick. I think sure. it's hard to decipher anything. Um. You really have to change a lot, like your depth settings. You have to like lock in place because it it'll get glitched out from all the grass. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I I haven't figured it out. But then again, I haven't figured out the whole suspended tree bass on fork or anything like that either. Like I've tried it a little bit, but I haven't got that dialed. So I'm sure there's people are gonna figure it out, just like that whole deal. But like Walter's got, but. It's something people are going to have to learn. You figure out something unique, you're going to do really well. For sure. <clears throat> I don't, what are your thoughts on a place like the Mississippi River or the upper Mississippi? Uh, Front-facing. Um, I think maybe in, like, in the fall wing dam fishing, I think it could be helpful because you could just scan them real quick. And sand drops, probably. No, and yeah, sand drops, stuff like that. Like anything. The one issue you have with it is just if there's a lot of current, a lot of times the same thing happens with St. Lawrence. It's really hard to see fish on your down scan or on that just because the current's so heavy. They really tuck down tight against things right. and they kind of disappear and you have to sort of fish for them. That'd be the only issue. Uh, I would think with the Mississippi River. At the same time, a lot of like you could scan a lot of them island heads and and undercut banks and stuff, and see where the actual like stumps or root balls that you're flipping to and stuff are, and definitely dial in at something like that pretty quickly and be a lot more precise, yeah. and probably see if there are fish on those sort of deals. Mega 360 would work for that type of thing as well. If you're just looking for that image, you don't you don't run any kind of. Have you ever run a 360? I no, you I yeah. <clears throat> there are some questions in here about <laughs> comparing it. And I didn't think you ever had run it. So, um, <clears throat> cool. Mm -mm 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 -mm. 
So last year, uh, obviously, we talked early in the season, and you know it was. Uh, I think you had one decent tournament and one not so good tournament, and then you went on a pretty good run after that. Uh, won yourself Rookie of the Year. Uh, kudos, congratulations. Um, did that do anything for you? Did you uh, get? Do you feel like that got you some exposure, or did it change anything for you? Or what was your experience winning Rookie of the Year? Yeah, I mean it. it... It's just an accolade. It gave me gave Mercer something to say every morning when I blast off, and it's kind of a personal point of pride. I didn't make any money specifically from it. There wasn't like a prize for it, but uh, it's something you can't really you get one shot. <laughs> yeah, you can't really take it away. And I said it on stage when it happened. Like if we had one more tournament, there was a good chance somebody else would have won, just because there was a lot of incredibly good anglers. But uh, I don't know. It kind of it helped me kind of grow a personality with bass. Like mm-hmm. Mercer gave me the nickname, and it just, it and I don't I don't know. I kind of feel like I've sort of solidified myself with bass, and a little bit more than a lot of guys that may just be kind of stuck in the background. It's just. Um, that's that's really about it. I, I don't feel like I've gotten any more sponsors specifically because of it. I feel like I'm, I've grown some sponsors more because of making the classic in right. the year. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a little accolade, a little something. So speaking of the classic, what were, I mean, that was your first classic, right? Uh, yeah. What what was that, I mean? What was that experience like? Was it overwhelming? Was it what you expected? Is there things that caught you by surprise? Uh, the actual like tournament part of it and like the fishing uh, didn't really bother me. Having fished four forest wood cups, once you get out on the water and start fishing, it it honestly becomes just like any other tournament. Granted, if I'd have been leading or something or had a big flotilla of boats, I'm sure it would have been something different, but. I did pretty shitty, so it didn't really matter. But uh, the craziest thing about it, and I've heard people say that it's just a wild week and a crazy week, but you don't, until you fish one, you don't really understand the fact that on a good day for practice and through the tournament, so it's like almost 10, 11 days, mm-hmm. on a good day, you'll get like three and a half hours of sleep just because you got so much stuff. By the time you move to the hotel, it's an hour and 20 minute drive in the morning to get out there. Plus, you got to get to your boat, taking a shuttle. So you're waking up at about 3 a.m. every morning, taking the shuttle, getting to your boat, driving an hour and 20 minutes to the lake to get there an hour early to sit around. And then you fish all day and you have to drive two hours back through traffic. And it's just once that's done, you got still got to re-rig and look. It's just a, it's an incredibly like, it's a circus and it's a really long, long day. Even even the practice days were nuts because like our official practice day, we we essentially had to run a regular tournament day. So we had to do mm-hmm. the same thing, run the whole tournament day. We all got back, and. Then you had like 45 minutes to shower and get dressed. And then you had to go to the the dinner of champions thing. And that went on until like 9, 10 at night. And there's always somebody trying to go out and 
party a little bit and stuff. It, it's just, it was like, I definitely feel like I'll be more prepared next time because you really have to like have all your shit together. Yeah, you don't you don't get to like hang out in your boat and work on tackle for four hours at night. Like, no. Yeah, it's the same way at the Bass Nation National Championship. They run it like a mini classic, so they have the whole boatyard and the hotel and the shuttle. And like, that's I always tell people is like you, you like as soon as you pull in, like while you're waiting for your boat, like you're working on tackle, and like when they're pulling you out, you're working on tackle because like they're gonna put you on a bus, and then you ain't gonna see any of that stuff, and it's it's pretty nuts. Oh yeah, that's what. Like I think I was the only guy that went through the weigh-in with all my rods still on my deck because I was like rigging tackle while I'm sitting back and line and stuff. It's like whatever. Yeah. But it was just it was an experience. It's it's like I said, I I fish for forestwood cups, so I've been somewhere similar. But it's it's just a different level that you don't really understand until you run through it like i've always i've worked a couple of classics but it's it's not something i want to miss any ever again so so you're saying even as big as the cup the classic was ratcheted up several notches from there oh yeah it's just totally different yeah and that was like one of the other things i i was talking to mercer after uh after cherry won and they had this sort of little private champions toast thing where all the anglers get together and Mm -hmm. congratulate cherry and everybody hangs out and the tournament's over. So everybody just kind of relaxes and has a few and whatnot. And the last day I didn't make day three. So I was working the show and just like walking through the show, you'd like hear people whisper like, Oh, that's sleepy assassin. And (laughs) really freaking weird. Like I thought this was some stupid, like little joke thing. And I told that to Mercer. I'm like, that thing is way bigger than like, I ever thought it was already and he's just like oh yeah it, it gets pretty crazy but it yeah it was just i don't know it's not something you ever expect to have happen just really were funny. you wearing your pajama pants at the expo on day three yeah i had to like i didn't wear them fishing but i kept them with me in my truck and i changed in them before he went through the nice way in the first two days just because cool yeah hopefully you can get some uh I'm trying to get Sightline to like make like some signature, people. yeah, signature. something like that. I, I had a bunch of people like message me randomly on Instagram and stuff. I think it'd be a good idea, so we're gonna try to do that. I when feel like I was listening to something <clears throat> Zona was on, and somebody said they touched him, and they were surprisingly a nicer fabric than they thought they would be. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the ones that I wear on stage and the ones, the blue ones that I wear most of the time moving over from FLW to bass, like you're not allowed to wear blue jeans or anything. So I'm like, right. oh, they're never going to let me wear pajama pants. So like I scoured the ends of the internet to find like, then I found these plaid golf pants. They're actually like Nike dry fit golf pants. They just look like pajama pants, but <laughs> I wear those to kind of like find the loophole around the rule. But I think at this point I'm kind of grandfathered in because I have worn actual pajama pants on live before like on Neely Henry I was wearing just regular pajama pants. Nice. Secrets out. <clears throat> Hopefully Lisa's not watching. So yeah. <laughs> Craig wants to know what body of water growing up in Minnesota helped you most as an angler. Oh I mean it's gotta be Minnetonka. That's where I spend all my time. 
same thing with snap, I guess. But and it was more fishing the Denny's and just being out there every day because that that like changes so incredibly much so quickly, and it has such a wide variety of ways you can catch them that you can really become a really well-rounded angler just by being able to compete all year long on Lake Minnetonka. Right. And, I mean, you can't. Bill says when you're home, where do you fish? I think we talked about this last time. I think you basically fish like Malax, Tonka, any places that like a Costa open or elite or something might come to someday. Right. That's kind of what you try to do. Yeah. If I'm fun fishing, I like to fish a lake that I think there might be a tournament on. Granted, I never go down to lacrosse or anything, just because I never really have as far. Other than that, I just fish whatever tournament lakes I happen to be able to get into. Uh, I used to fish a lot more around here. Mm-hmm. I fished so far this year. I've been on Tonka two days, and I think I've spent five days on Malax, but I haven't spent a bunch of time fishing in Minnesota yet. But our, our season has been so compact that we're we basically been gone the whole time and right with this northern swing i'll be back home for the rest of the season so i'll be able to uh relax fish some local stuff maybe if i can get into it and sure screw well, around. I, I got an idea austin so the last tournament of the tbf team trail that i'm fishing i'm probably going to go to florida and take my family to wizarding world yeah so my partner needs a sub on Clearwater. So maybe you could jump in and fish that one for me. <laughs> there you go. Or I'll take your kids to Harry Potter World. Yeah, I'll take the kids to Harry Potter, and then you can fish a tournament for me. Nice. <laughs> uh, when is that? <laughs> Early September. Okay. Should be before duck season. Should be perfect. Yeah. Go flip some milfoil. There you go. Uh, yeah, what did you think of the drive uh, from for the weigh-in? Like, what was that like? Like, was that a huge pain? Just part of the deal? Like, um, the first day of the tournament, so Friday, it was a huge hassle because obviously it was still during the week, so you had like regular rush hour traffic, and every day you had to drive by the. Uh, the NASCAR racetrack there. Sure. And on Saturday, there was a NASCAR race. I think it was Saturday and Sunday, but like Friday and Saturday, there was like everybody was piling into that deal. So it Friday was rough. Friday, I was one of the first boats in, so I missed it, but, and it only took me like two hours and like 20 minutes to get back. But right behind me, there was a wreck and it was taking guys like three plus hours just to get to the ramp it was but it's something you have to do because it's really hard to have a tournament anywhere where you have a venue big enough to run their expo and have a stadium big enough to run the weigh-in while being relatively close to a lake it's just that's kind of the reason why they tend to go to a lot of the same places because there's so few venues that have all the necessary locations yeah. that's why hartwell's so attractive i think it's actually pretty close there isn't it like uh i think greenville's still 
I'm not sure what they're if they're going into Greenville or what. Oh, probably. They should like they they keep pumping a ton of money into their whole system sure. though. Too. Yeah. Like Neil, who runs the uh Anderson County yeah. <clears throat> tourism thing. Fish, he, Fish Anderson, is that what it is? Yeah, he's also like uh everybody calls him the super marshal. He marshals like every single elite event. And if you ever look at the blogs, whoever he's with that it's day, like and blog posts and he like writes whole articles. The man's like superhuman when it comes to that thing. Like you're going to get coverage if he jumps have, in the boat with you. Have you had Neil Pauls and uh, Marshall? Yeah, I had him uh, day three and day four of Chickamauga last year. Nice. Because he always jumps in with the 10th place guy because I think they only had nine cameras. So he was like the one Marshall. So. Which he's like a quasi-camera guy because he's probably yeah. got his cell phone going. and yeah. right. He's got it going constantly. <laughs> My team partner said he'd be okay with that if he decided to sell. <laughs> no, I'm not that great. I've never fished. I've never won a tournament on clear water. I'm only fishing two or three. Hopefully we have the points sewed up by then. So yeah. um I think they have a rule where you have to fish three events, don't they now with the champ tour? Say that again? Somebody was asking about the champ tour, and I said I think there is a rule that you're supposed to fish three events. But um I could get back I, I don't know if I could get back into it again, I think. I don't think I'm gonna fish the champions tour anymore. It's I got a bunch of other stuff to do and I don't want, want to get into why I'm not gonna do it. I don't wanna we'll do that in the we'll do that in the after hour show. <laughs> <laughs> I like Bonimo and I like all the guys that are fishing it. There's just I don't know. It's it's one more fish five fish tournaments and stuff. Yeah. I would personally fish it if there was a little more restrictions on information and practice lengths. Right. That's, That's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. That's number one we should have. You should get like a day and a half of practice. And if it were off limits a month beforehand, it's what it, I think it should be. But right. I fished it for a few years, and there were guys that spent a week up there. And with that format, with that much time, it can give you a big advantage. Yeah. But the, yeah, otherwise, I mean, obviously, it's probably not going to change as long as they're getting full fields. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, but, this year, everything got a full field. Like, it was bonkers. I I actually got booted out of the first Denny's tournament because he filled the field with full-season competitors, and I wasn't able to fish the full season. Sure. I just wanted to jump in and fish the first one with the old man because I was around. But once he filled it up with full-season guys, I got kicked, which ended up not being that bad. Or uh, – Spawn was so early this year that a lot of that was done by the time even that first Denny's. So I don't know if I could have won. So going into this year, is there anything going from year one to year two, big change? I mean, obviously you fished the FLW tour, so probably maybe not. But I mean, from an elite perspective, was there any difference from year one to year two or anything you were more prepared for or anything you changed Oh, not really. I mean, the biggest change was getting Eris as a rod sponsor. Right. Uh, that kind of came out of nowhere, but they've been awesome to work with. And, uh, yeah, just, I mean, what what can you, just how, I would say how smooth everything went. Because last year the whole schedule was right. so out of whack that 
nobody ever really got settled in, got to fish. But then this year, we smashed everything into the front half of the season. I'm assuming just to, in case anything happened, they could push stuff back. Well, we ended up getting through it all. But I think we've had one event that didn't either have a delay or a cancellation or something along those lines. It's just been freaking wild, like two years in a row. Well, I guess, I don't know. I feel I've been doing this six years, six or seven years now. So I kind of like, as far as the travel and fishing and practicing, everything's kind of. You were elite series rookie last year, but you weren't a tour level rookie. Like talking to Bob Downey last week, right? Last year was like really a rookie season for him when it came to the elite series. And so I think there were more learnings for him last year and like how to adjust to fish at this level. And that probably really wasn't a thing for you going from, you know, year six to year seven, right? Versus (laughs) so. Oh, yeah. I I always say that fishing FLW was probably the best thing I ever did because it it taught me how to be a pro and how to practice on a limited practice and how to run water, break down water and, and put a tournament game plan together. So when I got over here, I was able to be pretty successful out the right out the gate. And you see that constantly from the guys that move over, whereas the guys that that come from the opens, and, and not to say anything, I think next to winning like a Elite Series AOI, I think qualifying through the opens or the Elite Series is probably the second hardest thing to do against that field. But especially now, yeah. <laughs> but you have you don't have a limit on practice. There's not really a limit on information. Uh, you can, it, it's different once you get here. Like it's extremely difficult, but there are certain things the opens don't teach you. Right. You have to learn by doing. And the only way to do it is to fish uh, a tour level, uh, tour level events, whether it's the Elite Series or the, or the Big Five now or, or something. The Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit. I mean, come on. It's not like it changes every year, Austin. Like, I did not know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think, I mean, you know, to some degree, right, like fishing on the FLW for several years where the, the field size was probably 150 to 200, and a lot of them were grinders. Like, almost to some degrees, like, obviously the competition is really good here, but, like, going to an 80 to 100 boat field and sometimes fishing – in general, better lakes at better times of the year, there's probably some, like it probably almost feels, I don't want to say easier, but there, there's definitely. Uh, oh, no, you're absolutely right. Like you all had to find little out of the way areas and you, it, it was, it was surprising last year when I'd run down the lake and be like, Oh, I got to check. And I'd pull in and there's like, there's nobody here. Like, there'd be two boats on everything at FLW just because there's 180 boats on the field. Yeah. And most of the guys are good enough to find most of the fish, but yeah, it's just having a hundred boat field. It's a noticeable difference when you're actually fishing and like try to get on areas. You get on the FLW tour, like on, on Kentucky Lake ledge tournament, I had like 24 schools marked. 
and I had a late boat number. So I ran down the lake and I just kept running by schools and there's people on all of them. I ran all the way to the end of my last school and there's people on all of them. So I just turned around and had to start running back to try to find one to get it. To start graphing and looking for a new school. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't want to just pull in on somebody. So I thought I'd find one that nobody was on. Well, they were on everything. So then at that point, start running back and it, that doesn't happen even on Gunnersville, most of the time I could get on some of the schools. Like obviously that's fine. Yeah, unless the unless the locals are on them. But <laughs> Yeah. But usually they're pretty good too. Like if you pull up and ask, they'll oh yeah, are you fishing? That's the way it is pretty much everywhere down south you pull up. You got bad guys everywhere, but you pull up most of them are like, Oh yeah, come on in and they'll stop fishing or either leave or just watch it or whatever. And they're like, oh, you should have been here 40 minutes ago. They were biting every cat. You already caught 22 pounds. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, that happens too, but that's just our sport in general. Yeah. Uh, so this year, we're six events in. You've had a pretty solid year. You're sitting 29th in AOI. You're about 30 points above uh, the cut line, which isn't it's decent, not like – Definitely not foolproof, right? You got to catch them, but mm. we're coming north, so you got to be feeling pretty good. What are your What are your thoughts in general? The last two tournaments. Uh, I mean, I'm glad I am where I am. You'd rather be thirty points in versus thirty points out. Yeah, <laughs> it just. I'm glad we're going up north. I feel like I have an advantage over a lot of the guys. Like I'm gonna have to do something stupid to fall out. But at the same time, I'm kind of nervous just because the way everything's lining up with weather and the sp where they are in the spawn, I'm afraid that both these tournaments might be post-spawn funk, like difficult grinder events. Like We could show up on Champlain and like a 16 to 17 pound bag is a good bag for the event. Whereas last year, I think, shoot, if you didn't have over 18 a day, you were getting laughed at. But, um, yeah, it's something we'll have to figure out once we get there. I get a better idea of the water. I saw something on Facebook saying Champlain, Main Lake Champlain hit 70 degrees for the first time here a day or two ago. So I'm sure the spawn's on the tail end either way, but we'll right. see. We're just going to have yep. to figure it out as we go and kind of get there. Yeah, Champlain's tricky, right, because, like, you can be catching them, right? But like, like you said, seventeen and a half could be like a day could be leading, but fifteen pounds a day might be the fifty cut. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're not catching three and a quarters instead of threes or whatever, like you can lose a lot of ground just by you know four ounce fish and a limit of them, right? So, a lot of people get out there and they get too spread out because it's it's not like you think okay, I got fish over here and I got fish in the inland sea and around an Isle de Mont or whatever the North Bay is over there and stuff. And it doesn't seem that far, but it's 35 minute run. Like you kind of, people spread themselves out. That's not including, if you want to go to Thai, which is 65 miles, something like that to the bridge. Um, yeah. It, it's got fish a lot of places, but I think a lot of people like will fish one day here, one day here, and one day over here, 
you're like, okay, I found some groups of fish everywhere. If you try to fish all that stuff, you spend three hours of your day running around. It's, it can burn time fast if you don't do yeah. it. And you, you've got a decent amount of experience, right? You fish some opens and some FLW stuff on, right? Yeah, I fished two opens and two FLW tour events. And then last year with the Elite. But I've never been there when we're when we're going here a week and a half. I was there last week in 2019. And that was and like the on beds like crazy. That was the blogger FLW, like yeah, you and Douglas and Douglas mm -hmm. with his ice fishing pole and all that stuff. But that was also a late late summer. Like it was everything was behind that year, whereas they have the same warm heat trend that we did real early, so everything got pushed ahead. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, that should be exciting. <clears throat> So what do you think? You think Seth's got it locked up? Do you think anybody's going to catch him? I doubt it. If he just does what he always does on Champlain, I think it'll be pretty well over. Yeah, I feel like if he top tens next week, it'll be pretty much over. Yeah. I hope outside, he does it. Outside of a mechanic, I mean, something freak, right? Like doesn't make it back or something stupid like that. I mean, like. Yeah, <clears throat> not on wood. Uh Oh, yeah, he's been fishing lights out. He's got – I think the only person I, that has a legitimate chance is Chris Johnston, but I think he's 50 points back, isn't he? So, yeah, I forget what it is. Yeah, Because Johnston's not the closest, but he's no, you know, Christy, the wheelhouse. I think, um, I think it's Christy and a couple other guys, but so, yeah. I mean, obviously, some really talented anglers behind him. He's got to catch them. Like, he can't just coast. But, like, if he, you know, top tens on Champlain, like, you know, we all think he should or will based on past performance and then mm -hmm. cashes a check at, you know, a top 30 at St. Lawrence, it's over. Like, <clears throat> And he's been to both of these places five times in the last eight years, six years. Right. So none of this is going to be new to him. So what is what is that hat? It's a powerful hat. Just powerful hat. Okay. Very powerful. Got actually got it at the classic. Just a weird shape of the flag. It almost yeah. looks like Australia or something. So it's a little. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was this close to Fourth of July. I figure I better wear it. That's it's sharp. Looks good. <clears throat> I like it. I got a Dakota Lithium one that's like essentially the same design. So I think it was just like a generic hat that you could put whatever logo you wanted on them. So I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that we are five subscribers away from 5,000. So if any of you guys are watching and you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, <laughs> think about it. We'd like to maybe celebrate the 5,000 yet tonight. Um, I think when, a year ago, I looked like I was like 2020. So last time Austin was on was 3000 subscribers ago. So there you go. Milestone. Just a reminder for those watching at home. Uh, Brian's still waiting for his bubbly water. 
Well, I can't walk over there right now. <laughs> uh, is Seth too loose? I mean, there's plenty of room on the wagon for you. Uh, so join on in, Bono. Um, <clears throat> well, cool. Um, so you got all your, your spinning rods all rigged up, your tackle. Like, do you have any more tackle to prep? I think you said you were leaving Friday uh, to make the 20-hour drive out to Champlain. Is, is, like, everything ready? Like, how much left do you got to do? No, I think everything's ready. I, you always rig the same, like, eight or ten things. Once you move north, it was just more of a hassle this time because that was rigged for Texas when I got back. So I had to move all the big baits and all the heavy line out pretty much and put a bunch of spinning rods. And I haven't, I hadn't really got to play with a lot of the light actions, spinning pot, spinning rods from Aris and stuff yet. And uh, at least not with smallmouth. So I wanted to play with those a bunch and kind of just get everything dialed. But once, like I knew what I was going to throw, you have to have a wacky rig, a net rig, a drop shot, a like a Kitek swim bait, a crankbait, a jerkbait, a topwater walking plug, and something to flip with, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so at Champlain, do you go in open mind, or are you leaning, do you lean brown or green going in, or, I mean, do you kind of go in, like, see what the lake's doing? I'll spend most of my time, hopefully, smallmouth fishing. Like, the one bad thing would be if they are in that post-spawn funk, it could be difficult, but at the same time, with the way you fish now, with that active target, it's more hunting than fishing, and... Mm-hmm. If you can just find areas that have a few fish and you just keep your head down and put it in front of five of them, you can have a good bag even if you only got five or six bites all day. So you're, you'll probably be sight fishing for smallies, whether you're visually looking at them or whether you're looking at them on your screens. <laughs> yeah, at least on Champlain. Now, Thousand Islands, again, they, they tend to hide real bad, so I'll probably be – unless I find something really cool out on the lake where you can actually scope them like that, I'll – probably be drifting like everybody else does trying some shallow fish if you can find them right last yeah, year so that- get the shallow fish to bite though and i know a bunch of people gussie was smashing them on his fuzz ball and i know pollinate caught him shallow really good but I, I found shallow fish but they were all just so spooky that they'd all bail even throwing four or six pound test on them and i just couldn't get that shallow deal to work fortunately i found some fish out on the lake yeah, and I think even Dave Polnick caught them one day shallow, and then he went back there, and he could see them all again. But that one day, like the last day, he couldn't catch them, or third day, or something like that. So, mm-hmm. what do we expect the winning weight at Champlain? I think last year was like seventy three, give or take seventy two, seventy three pounds. Mm-hmm. Be high sixties. Yeah, maybe 69, 70. I mean, I was not going to drop way off, but I mean, 72 is 18 pounds a day. It was fishing pretty good. It was fishing good last time, though. And a lot of that will be depend on weather, um, right? I mean, if, if guys can get around and fish everything they want and, like you said, bounce around to their spots and not get right, then the weights will be up. Because you guys had 
pretty good weather last year, wind-wise. I mean, it was a couple times oh, it yeah. kind of picked up, but for the most part, it was. I mean, obviously, Seth lost his graphs on the way in one day, but for the most yeah, part, really during cool. the day, yeah, um, driving like a madman. <laughs> um, and then I guess the other, you know, the water's low, so who knows if Ty is going to play? But if Ty plays, then that could definitely bump up the weights because if somebody goes down there and makes that run and catches 18 19 a day of largemouth then that changes things but yeah it's so rarely you can do it you can make that run four days in a row right i mean uh, nobody you know, last you know, year was relevant fish and tie like i'm 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 staying with brian schmidt and brian new for the next two events and if anybody's going to find them down on tie it'll be schmidt because he loves it down there so he'll spend at least one day down there so if he tells me that I'm not going, I'm not going either way. Like after the champ, the week after the Champlain tournament last year, we had a week off that we just like hung out at Thousand Islands and fished. Me and Quentin Capo drove back down to fish a caching tournament that went out of tie, and we still just drove all the way up to the inland sea. You know, it went out of tie. But, yeah. So I don't think it's like like we we figured the fish are going to be a little lighter because they're going to be closer to the spawn. And they're probably going to be a little funky, so it's not like it's going to be bad. I just think we think it's going to be a pound a day light, probably yeah. from last year. So I mean, it's not like it's going to be terrible and like twelve pounds a day is going to cash a check. Like it's still going to be <laughs> no still Champlain. The schools might be broken up a little bit more. They're not going to be as far out deep, so it's going to be it might be a little fish that weighed. They're going to light more, way less. Three and a half late July last year going to weigh three and a quarter. Just <clears throat> yeah. or whatever. I think we kind of talked about this that you've kind of you've kind of learned to steer into the skid and just go with it, right? Yeah, no, you got to embrace it, and like if if he does it, uh, it's kind of a term of endearment, and it's kind of a badge of honor you, that you're one of the guys on the elites. Not everybody has a nickname, so. I didn't know when I was going to get one. I was hoping I'd get one at some point. The fact that it happened six tournaments in the first year was awesome. Uh, I don't mind the nickname. I, I kind of like it. I know some people have told me they think it's stupid, but whatever. It's it is what it is. I, I enjoy it, and Mercer's a pretty cool dude. So live check in. We've picked up three. There's just two more. Who wants to be the hero today? Just saying. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if I'm subscribed yet. Man, I don't want to click over. You probably don't need to do it right during the stream. <clears throat> I do. I do know that Austin peeks in from the time to time. I remember last year, uh, right before Fork, <laughs> uh, the last event, I saw he like put the eyeballs up when I had Mike McFarland on, like the night before the tournament, and he was kind of like keeping his mind open, like. Yeah, you got to get as much information as you can. So I watch that stuff. When you go to Fork, I watch like the Lake Fork Guide. Yeah. And stuff. It's, they put out a bunch of good information, kind of give you an idea of what you're going into. And that's one of the few lakes that has a few like, YouTube guys that I feel like you can get like a, good, a lot of quality information about what the water's doing, what the bass are right. doing. For sure. 
yeah, that uh, Mike McFarland, the I don't know if he's like your Lake Fork or the Lake Fork, or he's one of them, but like he gives his weekly rundown, right? And he's like, water temperature went from like 57.2 to 57.3, and the water level went from 511.9 to five. Like he gives, like, yeah, it dropped two tenths, two tenths. Oh, <laughs> yeah, does that have a difference? <laughs> no, I feel like we're gonna go to a live watch now. Like we're gonna like this is like New Year's Eve. We're gonna watch the ball drop. Um, but uh, so speaking of driving, like, uh, are you like a podcast guy? I think you listen to. I think somebody said you listen to a lot of the Harry Potter stuff over again. But like, what is your what is your go to stuff when you're driving? Are you a radio guy? Oh yeah, I listen to a bunch of Harry Potter stuff. If I listen to the radio, it's usually like uh, like Bloomberg Radio or Fantasy Foot or the Fantasy Football Station. Uh, I also, there we go. <laughs> congratulations Here's to you, whoever clicked. Congratulations. There we did it. They uh, but other than that. It's probably really unsafe, but I also watch a lot of Netflix on my phone. <laughs> like I just plug it into my and I'll like listen to podcasts. I listen to like during the week, I listen to there's like live market open and market closes when the stock market opens and closes for like an hour and a half that people like go through that. So I tend to listen to that in the mornings from like 7.30 to 9.30 and then Again, from two to four. So I've gotten kind of into that stuff. Do you, do you, uh, do you, are you a headphones guy when you're out fishing? Do you listen to stuff or are you like trying to not do like? In practice, I got a pair of wireless Bose ear, earbuds just because uh, you spend that, you actually do spend a bunch of time on the phone. Sure. Trying to like fish like this. Like there's been enough near misses where like it slips and like takes two bounces on the deck and like your heart stops for a second. But now I just wear those earbuds cause they can just like hit it and you yeah. can bullshit if somebody calls you or if you got to do something and like can't, you don't miss a beat. You can still fish and do what you have to do. But Plus, I've tried the corded, earbuds and when you go to set the hook and you go like this and they're catching your reel and you're like ah! <laughs> yeah i used to do that and you had to run them all the way inside like i would yeah. i would run them around the out my back and like i bring them back this way to do it back in the day but yeah i got a nice pair of bows ones and they will run for like eight hours yeah fancy when you said fancy football are those podcasts or you listen to like the xm shows I usually listen to the XM yeah. station. That's the plan, Bo. Keep That's going. The, we just got to get fantasy fishing on DraftKings, and then this will really blow up. I was going to say, just imagine how many two people would watch my fantasy fishing videos if you could actually bet on it. Well, like at, at, the, at the Night of Champions... Uh, I was sitting with one of the uh, DESS upper management, and we were just bullshitting. He's like, well, what do you think? I'm like, the biggest catalyst you could possibly do right now if you want to grow this sport would be find a way to get it into into DraftKings. And he's, he agreed with me. Like, I know it's 
uh, some of the guys that morally don't really are like nervous about doing it, but it's just one of those things. If you want to grow, like that would be one way to grow really fast because it'd be something, something else for people to bet on. And as soon as they yeah. start betting on it, they start learning more about it. And honestly, fishing has to be like, whether it's like actual betting or fantasy sports, mm-hmm. fishing would be one of the hardest ones to be consistent at. Yeah. Yeah. And what I mean, else like, bet on, or what else do you have? If, if you were really into that sort of thing, what else do you have to bet on at 8am on a Saturday or on a, or 8am on a Thursday or Friday? Like, like it, it fills a time slot before baseball or football or anything really starts up. But I mean, just like, it's so like, you know, every sport, like, I mean, I think like, there's definitely stats in fishing, right? But like the the data set, the sample size isn't there compared to the other major sports, right? Like if, if you really want to get statistical and on your betting and analytics and like you can make it more of a science in mm-hmm. like pro sports. I feel like people would find out anyway. They would find ways to do it. If it would it be was- interesting. But I'm just saying like the way the schedule changed, like last year, like what would you base it on last year? You know what I mean? Like fish and Santee in October and like, you know what I mean? Like that, I mean, it was just so. I mean, I, I just think that if it got big enough that there was a bunch of money to be made, there would be guys with their private discords and all their little private sure. statistics. And he does this good and this sort of, they incorporate just like they do with baseball or football. These guys incorporate weather and everything. Yeah, it'd just be interesting to, be, to see if they really could, how well they could do it. Could they get mm-hmm. to the level they do on the other sports or not? Yeah. It'd be interesting because there's just, I mean, all the other sports, you're not dealing with fish, right? Like that swim and, you know, react to weather and barometric pressure and, you know, boat breakdowns. And I don't know, there's seems like there's more variables in fishing than just about any other sport. So it would make it really interesting from both the people running it as well as the people playing it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, it's just the, the most obvious thing I can think of. If we wanted to like quickly find a catalyst to jump the sport big time. Yeah. I mean, if you think back 10 years ago when FLW was pouring big money into fancy fishing, right. Mm-hmm. When the, the year end, like the weekly winners were winning like five grand and like, uh, or ten grand, and the the year end winner was about a hundred thousand, right? <clears throat> like, there were people playing fantasy fishing, like that were fantasy sports professional, like people that got into fantasy fishing that just played fantasy sports. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it wasn't sustainable the way they were doing it <laughs> from a business perspective. Um, but there definitely you could see some of that even back then. Uh, there was, you know, people that just played fantasy sports that were playing fantasy fishing that had, you know never previously had any interest in fancy fishing. Yeah. But I mean, it'd be really easy to make, whether it's daily fantasy, you could, you could cut it up into segments that you could have tons of stuff to bet in, whether it was, you could have individual day weights, you could have tournament weights, you could have big fish. They, I mean, look at there, even just regular sports betting. They bet on everything from, 
what what the opening coin flip to like it's yeah. just I know there was some speculation because you know with Fox Sports getting involved in Bassmasters that they they have a Fox Bet right regional app or like they have so there was thoughts is there's something coming down the pipe with Fox Bet um, but but I do think like the daily <clears throat> probably has the most merit like the DraftKings daily type thing where you could <clears throat> especially for people like hey man I. You know, I set my line up for Thursday. You know, I don't know if you ever played fancy fishing, but like, <laughs> yeah. and you roll into the, the first two days and you're like, man, nobody's in the top 50. I really blew this one. But then be able to scrap that and then just, okay, I'm going to put another 20 bucks down on Friday and I'm going to pick. Yeah, there you go. Then you just have the last two days or something. I don't know. It just. Yeah, it was 1 million the first year. It was something was crazy money. Yeah, it was 1 million. I feel like I know somebody's brother who won the million. Hmm. I don't remember who. Anyways. Yeah, there you go. Good stuff. There you go. Random. But then it's like, then you get into like, okay, if there's that much money, right, then like, <laughs> does it influence the anglers? <laughs> right? Then you got the whole like. Uh, yeah, well, how are you going to. How are you going to affect anything by losing when you're one and it's like fantasy golf can one guy really affect the outcome if he tanks yeah i don't know i guess it really depends on what this what the what the game was right i don't know i guess without knowing the game it would be hard to say um but not like a pitcher right in a baseball game that could definitely (laughs) Right, and at any given time, you don't know the score, anyways. It's like, right. So the the worst thing you could really do is tank yourself. I feel like, and in that, yeah, the, you know, I don't know how you bet and win one and out of ninety guys like, influence. Yeah, and obviously with the the points system, right? Like two bad years and you're out. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I mean, even just the fantasy game that is now plays a big part because I know like that keeps a lot of people like in tune, right? Like setting their lineups. I mean, like I always forget to watch the BPT. I honestly forget that it's on because I think if they had a fantasy game, I would remember to watch it more often. As bad as that sounds. Yeah, I agree with you. When FLW got rid of fantasy, I was pretty annoyed by it. It's because I didn't feel like it was that it was very big expense in any, at all, and it really like it engaged fans and forced fans to get to know people. Yeah, I think I mean like cutting the prizes down. I mean, even if you weren't like, even if you were only winning <laughs> a few thousand or giving away a few thousand bucks of stuff per tournament, mm-hmm. I think there's so much more merit to having a fantasy game around the league. Uh, that you know, you definitely are going to lose some players by not giving away big money, but their hardcore fans will tune in and play the game, and it will keep them engaged with your league. So, <clears throat> yeah. Have so you been drain the lake? 
So I, I've been playing Drain the Lake. Uh, it's a little more fun. Like definitely more strategy to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely set up a spreadsheet like from the very start and like mapped out like where I was gonna put everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget. I don't remember if I put you in on Champlain or St. Lawrence. I have to check the. I've saved myself for the last two. I'm not sure which one I'm using either. (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, I was like ranked 90th or something until the classic. Just because I picked a lot of like the opens guys and stuff just because like I wanted to use them just because there wasn't a ton of guys left that I wanted to, I didn't want to save for the last two. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys I wanted to save. It was them or just like random guys. So, like, I picked Keith Carson and yeah. a bunch of like that. But I picked Carson too. That bit me at the classic. Yeah. Like, here's my here's my lineup for Champlain for Drain the Lake. There you go. And then uh, I'm guessing you must be in this one. Thousand Islands. Yeah. 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 You, Gustafson, Ito, both the Johnstons, LeHugh, Mueller, and Bernie. Yeah. I don't know. Some I don't know. I, I might good... I might tinker with these, but being earlier, I feel like this and, and the way Schultz likes to fish shallow, he's probably gonna be pretty good this time, I bet. <clears throat> yeah. You ranked really high now. I think I'm like ranked three hundred and something after. No, I've had a couple of mishaps, like, but I don't know. But I did set it up and like lay it all out, you know, uh-huh. for the whole season. And I don't know how you do it without looking like away the full season, but uh-huh. <laughs> I just picked the guys I thought would do best on each lake. And obviously, but like mentally, you were kind of keeping people, right? You're like, yeah, if there was like northern guys, I set them aside. Like you knew you wanted to put the Johnstons in on. St. Lawrence, right? Like you were going to, and like you wanted Seth on Champlain and Schmidt on Champlain and mm-hmm. like <clears throat> things like that, right? So I actually put Schmidt on Pickwick. Okay. But he top 10 Pickwick. So there you go. I, I think I, I thought, I think I might have had him on my regular fantasy team. And I definitely thought about it. Um, and I think he would have been an even stronger pick if the weather, did, if the water didn't go up and down. Like, mm-hmm. if it fished like it would have been practice, he probably would have been even stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And then as far as regular fantasy, I just do terrible because pretty much just pick all my friends. I was traveling with Brett Pruitt the first <clears throat> part of the year, but he had to back out the last two events. So who knows who I'll pick for Bucket E this time. <laughs> yeah, slightly smaller field, right? We got uh, Pruitt, um, Clint Davis. Yeah. And um, what's his face? Rick Morris, right? So Clint and Rick medical. uh, Brett's going to focus on the ranch. So basically financial, he's going to go back and focus on his ranch at home. Right. So, yeah. And I think there was somebody else already dropped out. Um, I mean, it was a Louisiana guy or something that, Right. Yeah. Tyler Carrier dropped out already. Yeah. And uh Jesse Takaranti dropped out before the season started. Yeah, and Gary Klaus. Gary right. Klaus dropped out. 
But I honestly thought more than three people were going to drop out just because the way they're cutting so many people. Right. They keep – sounds. I don't remember exactly how many they're going to cut. They're planning on cutting like 20-something. Yeah. So if you're mathematically you weren't going to make it and you don't feel the northern swing was your wheelhouse to cash a check, it's like. <clears throat> yeah, I thought a lot of people would because the thing is, after Gunnersville, we had two events left. But when Gunnersville was left, we still had 15 grand in entry fees. Right. So I thought and when I saw that, I was like, ooh, we're going to lose a lot of guys. It's because I thought a bunch of people would say, why am I paying 15 with two let's just say uh, optimally win 20 and then plus expenses and then you're still going to get kicked. I, I was kind of expecting the doors to fall off and a bunch of people. Sure. But then they also said that the last tournament, the St. Lawrence tournament, the winner gets an automatic classic spot. So that might be keeping a few people also. Yeah, and I guess if some of these people by contract with their sponsors, right? Like they may have those entry fees paid by sponsors, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not. And that's so, true. Fulfill Same. the obligation, right? Like <clears throat> if they've got money, they've got to fish those to fulfill their contracts, probably. Right. So. At the same time, a lot of the guys that aren't going to be around next year probably aren't the same guys that are getting all their entry fees covered. Because getting sponsors is not easy. Uh, oh, no. But. Very maybe what you did get still hinges upon you fishing, yeah. you know, nine, eight events, right? So, um, so you said you travel with guys. Do you guys talk? Do you work together? What is the vibe in like your house as far as like do you guys? Is it each do uh, your own thing? What's uh, what's that like? With me and Brett, like they wrote an article about it. Me and Brett shared everything. Like I trust him with my life, uh, and we all both fish so differently that we were kind of. We keep each right. other honest and let us know if he, if right. they're up Galloway eating a frog or something, I'm going to know because he's going to tell me. And I kind of dialed in all the other <laughs> offshore stuff. But uh, this will be the first event. I've, I've talked with Schmidt. Like we talk on the phone randomly during events or during practice. And most guys do it. Like uh, some people are more chatty than others i know i know there are some guys that probably talk to eight or ten guys every day and they seem mm. to be on the phone the whole dang time but <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not really one of those guys i'll have one or maybe two guys that i try to share info with and that's kind of the deal me and brian new are kind of helping each other out for the classic so and then we're going to travel together the rest of the year and uh, i've been chatting with schmidt we were going to – Schmidt was going to travel with me and Brett all year, but then he uh, – like John Cruz, Missile Bates is one of his main sponsors, and right. John wanted him to travel with them. So he's like, oh, I kind of got to – don't really want to say no to one of your sponsors. So he's like, all right. So at least for the end of the year we'll be together. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll have somebody that I travel with here next year. It'll probably be one or – two of those guys and kind of got to feel it out. It's, it's a new relationship like anything else. Like you share information until somebody burns you, but yeah, you gotta go. It's yeah. almost like my experience is like, you'd rather have them not tell you anything than not tell you the truth. 
Absolutely. Like, yeah, the worst thing, and there are guys on the elites that will straight up lie to you, and you got to just block them out and just, yeah, you you take their info for what it is, just BS. Yeah, Yeah, there are a few guys that I trust pretty well. So, what, what kind of travel are you get? Are you like more of a, a motel hotel? You get a house? Like what is your typical? Uh, we tend to get a VRBO or Airbnb yeah. whenever we can. This Northern swing was a huge pain in the ass because we were supposed, we were supposed to go out of the Vermont side. And then what a month ago, they switched it. So now we're going out of Plattsburgh on 4th of July weekend. <laughs> when practice starts so you can imagine there's nothing to rent so i think everybody's pretty much going to be stuck in hotels for this one for the most part but yeah we tend to get an airbnb whether it's a house or a trailer or something like that yeah yeah new i think new is going to be sneaky good on champlain like you're going to go back and look and you're not going to see any boater stats for new uh-huh. But he fished like three tour level events and five what are now Costas, I think, as a non boater. Oh, I'm pretty sure he traveled with Thrift and Airy yeah. for all of those. So I'm guessing a lot of those official practice days were in the back of Brian Thrift's boat. So I'm guessing <laughs> he's got some good ideas of what he's going to want to do and make his own up there. So I, he's I, always I, worried about it. Like, he's called me a couple of times, like, what do I need to have? <laughs> he called me like two nights ago, what's the deal with this? Hair jig, like what do I gotta throw it on him? <laughs> so I'm like, kind of dialed him in on him. Like I don't know how much it's gonna play, but this is what you need. But he's also one of those guys that's like a tackle horde. So I wouldn't be surprised if by the time you get there, he's got like thirty fighter flies and like every color and everything. Because he just he's the same way thrift is. Like they got when they buy something, they gotta buy twelve of everything. Yeah. But I know the hair jig is a good bait and it catches up. It's, it's not something that I would want to try to build confidence in right before a two level event. No, I've actually lost more confidence with it than I've gained over the last few years. Like six, eight years ago, that thing was bananas. It didn't seem like you could reel it by a smallmouth and the thing wouldn't just run 30 feet to eat it. But now they've seen so many of them, they've definitely got conditioned to it. Yeah, but I think you've fished it enough and seen enough smallies and experience that, like, if you saw the right conditions for shallow fish on either Champlain or, yeah. right, you'd be like, all right, I'll, I'll dig it out quick and make 20 casts with it, and I'll, you know, yes or no, right? But, like, mm-hmm. it's not something I just want to pull out blind on a tournament <clears throat> if I hadn't had a lot of experience on it, I don't think. Yeah, and I don't think it might, it very well will play a part for some people St. Lawrence, but I doubt it'll make a difference on Champlain. That if there's still a mayfly hatch, maybe, but I don't think it'll. It just doesn't seem to catch them any better there than anything else. Yeah, the fish on Champlain, if you find them, they'll usually bite. Whether it's a Ned rig or a, a wacky worm or a drop shot. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that that the the hair jig is a is a winning four day bait. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like 
you might have a good day or a good flurry, but I don't know that's something you're going to ride through a multi-day tournament. I don't know. Yeah, not anymore. Like it seemed like the first year when they went to Thousand Islands, they were just smashing them on it. Uh, why are some of the guys getting cut from the elites? Basically because they didn't cut anybody last year, right? Yeah, they didn't cut anybody. It sounds like like their ideal situation is to get it down to like 80 or 90 because they want to be able to pay that 2500 for the bottom spots all the way to the bottom of the field. Obviously with 20 less guys or whatever, it's an extra how much is that? 40 grand they get to save per event. Um, sure. Yeah. I, it's going to be crazy. It's The cuts are going to be deep. And whether or not, I don't know what they're going to do with the like the health exemptions people are taking. Like, uh, like Rick Morris is taking one, but I think without that, I don't know if he gets cut. But like, right. Does that does that count as a cut? <laughs> like, right? Or does that mean that he gets skipped and they still go? Another, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Is he getting invited back? Because it, it seems like a lot of guys could kind of trip and fall the last or two event, and oh god, I have to take a health exemption. But I think Rick said he's not fishing in 2022. Oh, I I don't know. I think I'm, I saw that in the article that he's going to take a full year off, and if he gets back right then he may try to re-qualify or reapply or whatever it is so right and that yeah that's the thing i didn't know like clint i know is taking the rest of the year off but at the same time clint wasn't in danger of getting cut anyways i think he finished 24th or 25th in aoi the last two years in a row so even if he finished 80th this year he'd still probably be inside he'd still be fine inside the cut um i don't know where gary was so, but yeah, it's going to be interesting if they just like remove one of the cuts, if there was a guy with a medical exemption who would have been cut or if they just take the next guy up. Cause that, I mean, that would really suck too. If somebody was made it, but then because there was a medical exemption, they just took the next guy up. Yeah. I don't think that's how it would work, but who knows? Yeah, because I think we do have you have twelve guys coming in from the opens, so that's part of it, right? They're adding twelve, and they want to make the field smaller, and they mm-hmm. didn't cut anybody the last two years, so that's kind of right. I so I suspect next year I would not be surprised if they cut more than twelve just to weed, whittle it down even more, right? Which could get really scary then because you're not going to cut any rookies. So you just got to catch them. Yeah, and then you still have, like, right, if you've won a Classic or you've won an AOI, then right, I don't know if there's a lot of those guys that are necessarily down in that scenario. But, like, somebody like a David Fritz, like they Fritz. have a legend exemption, right, or somebody like that. I don't know. Yeah. I, as far I, – and I was actually thinking about this the other day. I don't know the specifics about if that's just a perpetual exemption or how many times you can use it or yeah. Yeah. Like if, if you can be here until if you as long as you want, or if it's something that it's one and done. Like I heard I heard rumblings that the whole the 
the I don't it was it the Legends exemption that they used to bring back Polinick and Swindle. Swindle. Like I'd heard that was like a one time thing. And that hence the reason why Hackney and the guys had to re qualify. Yeah, I think there was some things about that where like you had to be to use it, you had to sign up and be fishing an open series or right. Like you couldn't just use it. Like you had to be <clears throat> also like, cause that, that year Swindle and Polinick both fished all the opens, mm-hmm. even though they use their exemption. So I don't know. It's, it's not a guarantee. Like a legend example is from my understanding is a, it's almost like a, a contract option. <laughs> like the, yeah, the I team, think, it's, I like, think it's, it's like done. a team option, not a player option. Right. Like, so right. like, I think it's done. Like for example, from what I understand, they're not they're not going to do it for anybody else anymore. So say like it wouldn't happen, but like if KVD said I wanted to come back, they wouldn't. They'd say you have to qualify at this point. Like yeah, hard. But hard it's, to believe that that would actually happen if that in that scenario. But like that's yeah, I think the only one that's probably like worth talking about would be Ike at this point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he could come back. Right. If he like enter a full season opens and then applied, maybe he would get in, maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. So but maybe he doesn't want to. He's he's I don't know. He's got a lot of things going on, so I don't know what he wants to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, nice. Uh if you guys got any more questions, uh we'll stay on for a few more minutes. Uh I covered everything I wanted to ask. So if you guys got questions for Austin you want to run through quick. Um, if we miss some earlier that you didn't get in, if you want to repeat them quick, we'll hang on for a few minutes and shoot the breeze. Um, but I'm excited to watch this thing wrap up. Like, uh, I don't know. I think these are going to be some good events. The live is always awesome on the Northern swing. Um, I don't know. You think it, when, when do you find out? When do they, when do they usually, uh, publish or tell you guys whether you're going to be on live for like a opening practice or an opening day? Uh, it won't be till like the day before. I I assume I'll get one on Champlain just because I haven't gotten my first day live yet. That's what they gave to me last year. So, so they've kind of like penciled, kind of like I penciled in my drain the yeah. lake. They've kind of penciled in the schedule for the year. Seems yeah. like. I assume. But who knows? They don't like interview and be like, "Hey, how was your practice? Do you think you should be on?" Like that doesn't. Oh no, Zona called. Zona talks to every single live person before, like okay. the day before. Like shoots you a text, "Hey, shoot me a call," and then it's like, "Okay, so what's going on?" And you can be as forthcoming as you want, but just tell them what your plan is. And but I mean, like they're not. That's not necessarily. They're kind of want to know what's going on so they can speak to it on live not so much as like should we put you on live or not oh no like once you know you're going to be on live yeah they they talk to you to see what your game plan is so they can articulate what you're trying to do out there and what your plan is copper's uh, excited what's uh what's your go-to uh flipping bait for foil uh Either a three-quarter ounce hack attack jig or a craw tube. And what kind of what? What's your typical weight on a craw tube? Uh, three quarters most of the time. Three quarters and a half. And are you a straight shank EWG snell knot braid to fluoro? What, what's what's the setup for those? On the craw tube, I throw that gamagatsu ring hook 
mm-hmm. the four out one. Um, I've been doing braid to floral the last like two years, but kind of moved that over more to just about everything. But uh, unless it's heavy, obviously if it's heavy grass, then you just straight braid. It doesn't seem to matter. Half the time it doesn't seem to matter anyways. Look at the guys on on the classic. I was flipping straight floral carbon, and half the guys that smashed them were all flipping straight braid. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I would say my setup's pretty similar. But lately I've been digging the D bombs, but <laughs> but like I, I've really become a believer in that ring tuck lately. There's I don't know I don't know why. Or, do you have any 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 insight on the mechanics of why it pins them? I, I don't know. I just think it, I just think it gives it better action and I've got confidence in it. And so it's what I've grown up throwing out here. Uh, yeah. When I have to switch to a straight shank, like if I'm punching or something uh, or around heavy pads, then I'll switch to a beaver style bait or a Senko flipping. Uh but yeah, a D bomb's a good bait too. Like that's what I was flipping a D bomb when I was punching bushes at the classic. That was like the only thing I flipped. But I wanted to run a straight shank just because it comes through the bushes, through the limbs better. Yeah, but when I think it does apply to to any grass for the most part. Like I've definitely got on some bites recently on some lakes around here that haven't had milfoil. Mm-hmm. And it's usually just about finding the best grass, <laughs> even if it's like crappy looking spring cabbage. If it's the best grass, you're probably going to find some fish in it. So, oh yeah, yeah. You spend seems like the second tournament of the year on Tonka. You always end up finding a few schools just fishing that curly leaf, flipping that curly pondweed and stuff, because that stuff's way higher than the milfoil at that point before it mm-hmm. dies. So, yeah, you just got to find the thickest, heaviest stuff you can, whether that's hydrilla or coontail or whatever it is. And then uh, one of the reasons, the other reason I flipped that ring hook on a craw tube is because those craw tubes are just a tube in general. I hate trying to rig a straight shank or something on a tube. They just never lay right, and they always Mm -hmm. are dinked. and. It's just with. it's just too much meat and like it it just doesn't work right for it. So that ring hook is just the perfect tool for the job. Yeah, I assume you're pegging anytime you're flipping grass. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fancy football question. Tom Brady the goat. You get the second pick in the draft. Uh I don't know who are the top two picks right now. It'd be McCaffrey won pretty much unanimously, and then I don't know Henry or Kamara. Although Kamara doesn't have, it's a lot of split carries though these days. Yeah. Like, uh, I'd probably say Henry, especially now that Julio's over there. It's going to take even more pressure off the line. The man's probably. I mean, he's. Led in rushing last two years in a row, and those and they just got better. I don't see how he could not be number two. He might finish number one. It really depends on 
how McCaffrey does. I had McCaffrey last year, obviously. I had a, We had a keeper league, so you get to keep him three years. So I had him the last three years. I won two years ago. Last year, obviously, he just got injured. So I finished third that year, but I had to give him back this year. So hopefully he doesn't do that well. Is this a, is a fancy league with your buddies back home, or is this like an Elite Series fantasy league? No, this is with guys from high school and okay. college that I used to know, but it's pretty serious. It's, I mean, it's like 120 bucks a guy, but they put out weekly newsletters that are like pages <laughs> long. They have like a bunch of them are like accountants and engineers and stuff. So they have these huge long lists of like random stats. Like they know you're like winning and loss percentage against every guy through the last like 16 years and we've had it for a while and like all your finishes and all, it's just a ton of crazy stuff. Like you could look <laughs> for hours, but it's pretty fun. Like they get really into it. So these are the guys that uh, when DraftKings comes to bass fishing, they'll be giving you the stats on. <laughs> <laughs> they'll probably be the guys. I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how many of them do like the daily stuff. They're just really sure. into like our league. But You've got too much time at their jobs and they love spreadsheets. Exactly. Like they insert little videos and stuff that you have to click on and <laughs> it, it's bonkers. I'll show it to you one of these days if we ever hang out. Nice. But yeah, that's about it. Fantasy football is fun. Just it's usually going on before or during the off season. Same thing with the whole like Stock trading stuff, it's just something to do that I can do when I have days off. And that's kind of what that's probably way more lucrative than uh, starting a YouTube channel. So, good decision by you. Yeah, you got 5,000 subscribers now, buddy. Subscribers. Yeah. Cool. I don't know if I have 5,000 Instagram followers. So, you're doing better. Live look in. Let's, let's, I don't know. We can check. Let's do a live look in on Austin's. If nobody's following Austin on uh, Instagram, <laughs> get your uh, daily Harry Potter quotes via IG stories. Yeah. Well, I actually have Bart is filming my tournament recaps. I usually like insert a couple just GoPro catches, and I just put all those straight to yeah. Instagram TV. So if you want to know, any tournament recaps, how I caught them on all that stuff and each event, I put them up on. I yeah, that, is, that is a good point. Actually, that's that's kind of <clears throat> something you started kind of end of last year or. Yeah. Yeah. And so you kind of do like, I don't know, two to five minute, just kind of like, this is what I did. This is what I found, like break down the, the good, the bad, the ugly of each tournament. Right. So yeah. that's what the patterns were. But. And then you'll be the first to know when his signature uh, PJs come out. So that'll be another plus. There you go. So there you go. Hit up uh, Austin on IG. He'll be giving you some, uh, maybe seeing some active target stuff out there soon, hopefully. I was thinking about that. Like I had to try to, I should have tried filming, like getting one of those fish to run up to them Senkos. Cause like you can imagine how tedious fishing a Senko in like 12 feet of water is like a weightless Senko in like 12 feet of water. You just see it and you bomb it out there. It's like, it's funny because you'd be waiting 
and then you'd, you'd realize the point where they said, oh, hey, look, there's something up there. Because they'd be like sitting down by the bottom. All of a sudden, they just and they'd just swim up to it. And sometimes they'd eat it. Sometimes they'd like swim around it and swim back down. But it was funny. Like usually, like it wouldn't get very far far under the water before they'd be like streaking to the circuit surface to check it out. Yeah, you really, I think... <clears throat> you're going to definitely catch fish that you wouldn't catch, but you're also going to learn a lot about fish behavior and like how far they pick up on things, right? Like you're going to go fish not super clear water and you're going to present a shaky head, right? And then you're going to see, you're going to cast it out in 10 feet and you're going to see a fish start to come up on it. You know, when it's a Mm -hmm. foot down, you're going to be like, wow, how did they even know that was, you know, like that kind of stuff. You're going to have those aha moments. I think as you, there's that. And even more so it, it, tells you what not to throw because you'll see fish and you'll throw something and they won't even react to it. And you're like, okay, I don't need to throw that a second cast. <laughs> Until you figure out like what they at least acknowledge, like whether they're acknowledging the bait or not. And then you can play with other stuff, to try to get them to bite. Like if you know that they're bass, you can like rifle through baits quickly and know that you're putting it on fish until you figure out what the deal is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I'm on, I'm with you. Like, I, I think I'd rather not catch them than throw a weightless sinko in 12 feet of water. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also not trying to make a living. So there you go. Weightless sinko is awesome. I want a lot of money on that bait. Yeah, I mean that's what you mainly threw at fork. It looked like in the gallery. Yeah. Or a lot. Yeah, that in a Texas rig. Probably 50-50. I mean, sometimes. It's the way to go. I'm always going to see if they'll eat the jig first, but there are times to put the jig down and and pick up the stickworm. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know if it's a way to win, but you're going to get a lot of bites. And rarely does the guy that gets the most bites in a tournament do poorly, you know? You play around with the Tokyo rig? I have not played with it at all yet. Haven't even like. I think I own one or two in the box right here, but I haven't even taken them out of the box or out of the package. I know yeah. some people can play with them, but I've tried it a few times when I've already been catching fish, like flipping grass. I I don't know that I was getting more or less bites. Like it wasn't like anything. There was no aha moment. The few times I mean I've not used it a ton, but the few times I've tried it, it was like I caught some fish. I think I, you know, I was just flipping a Texas rig. I switched back and forth. It didn't seem like, eh, like. Mm-hmm. See, I've heard other ways of throwing it too. Like I've heard yeah. of guys putting like a straight shank and like a swim bait on it, yeah, and almost swimming it the same way you do like a wobblehead. No, yep. I haven't. I've only played around flipping it, <clears throat> but yeah, I've definitely heard of lots of things to try and yeah, but there's not enough time to try all that stuff. I'm a weekend guy. I think it's <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Eventually, I'm gonna like somebody's gonna be like, "Oh, they're killing it," and then I'll have to like actually put it in my hand and gain some confidence with it. But, but until then, there there's is some parallels, I think, to the uh, the Ring DWG. Right? There's potentially some overlap on why they both work. Yeah, just a the of the... Yeah, so 
maybe because I'm already flipping with a ring DWG, maybe that diminishes <clears throat> my need for a Tokyo rig. I don't know. Yeah. There's just so many baits that I have confidence in. I feel like my repertoire is so big, like I should be able to figure out something that I have confidence in that they'll eat. And until like I should play with it, I should just put it in my hand a day or two and get some confidence with it. But yeah, I think the other scenario is if I ran into some unique situation where the fish were clearly in the grass, but somehow the bottom was mucky mm-hmm. or where my, you know, the the weight was digging in too far that I wanted that two inch lift. But it's not very often you find them schooled up when you have a mucky bottom. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. Like, it's not it's the opposite of what you're looking for. Right. So it's, that would be a very kind of unicorn situation. I think where you actually had them piled up in an area with a, a soft yucky bottom. I don't know. Yeah. See the one thing. Yeah. The one thing I've been thinking about, trying it with is actually on the St. Lawrence. If I could like drift with it, right. Put, like a heavier weight on it and run like a little heavier line, but at the same time, the current catch that line. So it, it just seemed like it would be a good way to like keep it right there on the bottom. You could, but I haven't played with it yet. It's just an idea at this point. John says, uh, Wheeler was using the, sounds like he was using it on said mentioned body of water. Oh Yeah. Which I saw this question earlier. <clears throat> Did you watch much of that? Like, do you feel like you and your competitors were watching a lot of what was going down on? Uh... I tuned in for like two minutes the last couple of days. Like, was bed fishing and you're like, that's all I needed to know. <laughs> yeah, I jump on and be like, oh, look, it, there's 12 floggers on the front page. Like, I think I understand how this goes down. But uh, yeah, I, I'm more checked. I'm pretty good buddies with John Cox now. So you're like, talking on the phone and stuff so we'll see uh so i was just checking in to see how he was doing he had a good first two days which to be determined whether he's going to be fishing the bass event yeah yeah it's kind of a sticky situation yeah there's some guys that i don't know don't want him to fish it think it's unfair i feel like it's a hard spot based on bass past precedent the fact that Hudnall got DQ'd for accidentally fishing one day into Hartwell two years ago. Uh-huh. And now John intentionally fished two or three days. I, I don't know how they allow him to fish. Like, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but based on past precedents, I feel like if they allow him to fish, it kind of creates a slippery slope. Right. No, I get it at the same time. He has, he stayed like, next yeah. to the gym in Messina just to try to right. uh, negate that whole thing. At the same time, like the river kind of fishes the same. Yeah. Like my whole thought was just make him run to the lake and fish the lake. Cause it's going to handicap him having to run that far and the fishing will be different anyways. And it's far enough away that like, I want him to fish. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm all for, like, I feel like it'd be great to give him an opportunity to fish. You know, he's out there trying to make a living. Like, I, I don't think he fished this event to gain an advantage. But <clears throat> if it happens, then it's like, this just opens Pandora's box, I feel like, of any time somebody's like, well, I'm just going to go fish this Toyota series, or I'm going to go, like, you know, like, uh, and I'll just see what happens. And, you know, like, 
that's the problem I feel like. Uh, and I understand the way he fished and could they restrict him, but then like could have, uh, Hudnall said, well, I only looked at this arm of, uh, Hartwell. So I won't fish that arm that, you know what I mean? Like, so it's now I feel like Hudnall's punishment was too much because like they could easily just said, Hey, no, you're just going to miss your first official practice day. Right. Like basically trade that pre-practice day for an official practice day. That, felt like it would have been a much more appropriate penalty than just DQing him for an entire event when he wasn't trying to gain him. It's not like he was out there with a guide in right. the off limits, right? He accidentally missed it. So why not just take away an official practice day, which would be still a good, right? Like, cause you definitely wouldn't trade a pre-practice day for an official day. Um, so I don't know. So. I... Yeah, no, I, I didn't think about that. That's a, that would have been a good way to, I mean, basically put him in the penalty box for one day of official practice, right? Yeah. But well, you could do the same thing with Cox and tell him he doesn't get to practice, but that wouldn't be anything new. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, whatever. Like, uh, you know. But it's also like that's two weeks out, not a full month out. <clears throat> yeah. But then you have guys like literally try. I mean, if you did that retroactively now, would you have guys that would jump in tournaments? knowing that they're just going to miss practice versus not actually potentially face a disqualification. Like that's, that's the thing is like, I feel like it opens up a, a mm-hmm. slippery slope, which right. at the same time though, none of this was like unforeseen. Like this, right. this didn't just like happen. Thing. Like this is, these have been on the calendar for yeah eight months well, or 10 months or whatever. So and they were trying to figure it out, but it's, it sounds like it's been kind of a hassle and yeah. how, how he's been able to do it is beyond me. Yeah. Like the number of events he's fished on limited or no practice and actually like still done well blows my mind. Yeah. Outside of Neely Henry, which bit him, he's actually done really well. Right. Yeah. So, but I feel like if they could have came to an agreement before he fished the tournament, there was possibly a way out of this. But the fact that now that it happened, I, I don't see how he fishes, but. I'd like to see him fish, but I just don't see how it happens. Well, the thing about it too is what he, the other thing he was talking about is, so if, if he's DQ'd, is that just mean is that he his has, drop or no, he doesn't get to drop a DQ, but okay. if, if he, if he's DQ'd, does that mean he just gets zero? Cause he's still planning on fishing. Like he wants to go out the first two days and you give him zeros. Like as this thing, he still has to be there. He still has to promote his sponsors. Right. And they haven't given him a clear answer on whether it's one of those like you can't be on the water deals or like or you can't cross the stage or like yeah. So I don't know. It's, or do you get to? I mean, like Hudnall ran a camera boat, right, <laughs> and was on live, like participated as part of like the media at Hartwell. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's that too. So I don't know. I guess we'll find out soon. <laughs> But uh all right. Uh one more question here, a well, quick one and then we'll wrap it up. What's your biggest Tonka Smalley? Oh, I don't know. I have maybe four and a half. They're not that big out there. Four pounders are good ones. Four and a half, probably. Four and three quarters, maybe. Probably not. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, we'll keep this kind of I think we covered everything we need to cover. Uh thanks for coming on. 
We'll let you get recovered. Uh, if you guys came in late, check the replay, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, um, or you can listen to it on your favorite podcast app. Just search Hellabass in your podcast app, and you can listen to it when you're driving to a tournament, whether you're working out, walking the dog, whatever. Uh, make sure you check out Omnia Fishing and Arsenal Fishing. The codes are down below. Help support the show. Make sure you check out Austin's Facebook and Instagram. And uh, as always, uh, here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. There you go. Thanks, Austin. No problem. I'll be back soon. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.